Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we all are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John, Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two, and we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli watch one episode of Buffy a week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Welcome to Buffy Virgin, a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Unfortunately, none of us can remember who we are because it's Season 6, Episode 8, Tabula Raza, Tabula Raza, Tabula Raza. Make sure to subscribe to hear all the Buffy and Angel content and give us a rating. I am your host, cartoonist Dennis, Dennis St. John, and we have special guest uh, cartoonist Maya Kobabe. Woo! Maya, where can people see and buy your stuff? Oh, gosh, all over the internet. Um, you can find me at Red Gold Sparks on Instagram or Tumblr or Red Gold Sparks Press on Etsy. Or you can find my book in actual stores. Well, not actual stores because those are closed, but in online stores uh, like Barnes & Noble or IndieBound or, God forbid, Amazon. And what's the name of your book? Genderqueer, a memoir. Yes, I am a returning guest. My names, my pronouns are E.M. Air, and I'm so excited to join for my third Buffy version podcast episode. And I realized when watching this one, I was like, oh, I've, I've chosen all episodes that are so Willow and Tara, like, focused. <laughs> <laughs> Not intentionally, but those just happen to be all my favorites. Just out of love. Just out of love. Well, we're happy to have you back. And why don't uh, the rest of you guys introduce yourself uh, with who it says you are on your driver's license. <laughs> Yeah, pull it out and check. You never know. <laughs> Who am I? My, my name my name's Travis, and uh, shockingly, I'm wearing a red sweatshirt today as opposed to a blue sweatshirt, which I wear uh, continuously. Every Sunday, it appears, and I get made fun of by these great group of friends. Laundry day. <laughs> How do you know it's uh, your sweatshirt? Did you just find it on the ground? Maybe it belongs to someone else. Maybe it's your older brother's sweatshirt. My name's John Landis. Uh, I do not have a driver's license, so I think uh, that means I'm nobody today. Uh, I've never had a driver's license. My state ID says my name is John, but uh, driver's license, uh, don't know. Well, uh, according to this, my name is Michael John Poley, and I live in Oregon. And uh, I I do the bidding of this uh, framed picture of a monkey behind me. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, please, everybody should uh, buy Genderqueer and check it out. It's great. Uh, Maya's book is fantastic. I recommend it to people all the time. And it's really, uh, it's a really uh, interesting, incredible read. Um, really takes you through Maya's story. And so you feel really close to Maya, even though you d- rarely talk to, talk to him. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much. That, that is truly the power of autobiocomics. Yes, indeed. <laughs> everybody knows you now. Uh, so we're going to be talking Tabula Raza. But before that, we're going to do Reactions to Season 6, Episode 1, Bargaining, Part 1. Audience Reactions. And we're going to start with, um, over on YouTube, I want to glitch. Um, let's see. Uh, John, why don't you try to read this? All right. I want to says, Anthony Head, training mode evolving. Right now, he's also training Bruce Wayne. Smiley face. I'm not sure I get that reference. Is uh, he in some uh, DC Universe thing? Maybe. I don't know what's going oh, on okay. there. But All right. Cool. Don't get that reference. All right. And uh, Alison Hannigan, end with a Kim Possible. I'm not sure what that's referring to either. 
Um, also, I'm glad I'm not the only person who thinks that Willow is, has always been bad. Even in the first seasons, she's had some weird moments. Like, uh, she just doesn't understand how other people work when she probably knows how uh, their guts work. Ah, which she probably knows how their guts work. Interesting. Uh, maybe it's something with a Sunnydale and the Hellmouth that turns smart people into a crazy evil genius. Because it's not only Willow. Uh, she'll even stay longer in a good side. All right. All right. Thank you. I'm yeah, I agree. Willow has been uh, difficult and uh, suspicious for a long time. Uh, I mean, the way I, th- I don't, I mean, I like Willow. I'm on, like, I'm on team Willow, but... Uh, I think, uh, yeah, the thing I keep coming back to is, like, she has the highest, like, IQ in the group and the lowest EQ. <laughs> yeah. And uh, our friend uh, Garrett Thatcher says, um, why didn't Giles break faith out of jail so they can have a Slayer operating? Uh, watching you guys do accents, I can't wait uh, till you guys try the Peaky Blinders Brummy accent. Uh, I've watched so the bad. first couple episodes of Peaky Blinders, actually, but I will not attempt the accent. I like that that's presented as something that we'll inevitably do. <laughs> <laughs> like, once you get in contact with an accent, it's like a disease, right? You have to, it has there's to exercise nothing wrong your with body. doing voices or accents at all. We, we're just trying, I suppose. Our best. We're just you know, trying. There's, our the, best. there's the, um, there's the, I, this is a weird place to take it, but there's the, um, uh, Borges concept of like you know if you really believe in immortality then like on a long enough timeline if you really are if you really have an immortal soul then you will eventually do everything and all men are everything so he says all men are all men are uh, Gandhi and all men are Hitler or all men are Shakespeare and all men are Hitler because if you live forever eventually you'll do everything just by random mm. chance um, so if you live long enough you'll do a podcast about every TV show <laughs> I think is the what I'm taking from this oh I do not want immortality Oh, Oh, right, because that's the consequence of immortality is eternal TV podcasts. So many podcasts. Um, Michael, why don't you read uh, from Kapei Nagoi? Thank you for pronouncing that correctly. Uh, No inconsistency between Buffy telepathic... Sorry, no inconsistencies between Buffy's telepathic abilities and earshot and Willow's in bargaining and the gift. Buffy reads minds but can't project her thoughts to others. Willow projects her thoughts, but as far as we see, we see she is not reading anyone's mind. Uh, I feel like that's nitpicky. <laughs> You're just setting this up. But yeah, we went through and talked <laughs> about uh, how we think the telep- telepathy works. Telepathy, sorry. Anya. Anya. Um, and uh, Travis, why don't you read us what Silver Spike has to say this week? Silver Spike says this week that we are so unbelievably nitpicky and they are disappointed. <laughs> Thank you, Silver Spike. We always appreciate it. Wait, guys, uh, he's, like, he's like the dad of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we still find ways to disappoint you, um, but we do. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, yeah, I just wanted to say, so the last episode, as we record this, the last one I have heard and that has aired is the one we just heard response to, um, season six, episode one, which I really enjoyed. Um, but the last episode that you recorded was Once More with Feeling, which is obviously probably the most highly anticipated episode of the show. Um, and Michael and I share the experience of having watched that episode out of order before any of the previous episodes. Um, so I just wanted to, was it, a, was it really fun to record the podcast for it? Did yeah that, that was no it was super yeah. fun to record it felt really special to like exercise that because i feel like this was building towards that forever like travis bought me that record 
the Mondo Records recording of the Buffy musical that came out recently. So this amazing red record to put on. And like, so anticipation was high. I had that record unopened for three months. Because you got, no, no, yeah, it, got it, it was like nine months. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well before Christmas. That's right. You were so excited about it. Like, we hadn't even started season six yet. And you're like, dude, dude. Um, so the excitement was super high. And like, I just felt a lot of the energy leave the room after the episode oh, we finished oh. because uh you know we had to watch we had to <laughs> we watched a bunch of angel afterwards and people are like struggling to get through it because mm. there's such a like an exciting momentum building to that musical episode and then now of course we get to listen to the musical whenever we want and it's lovely i'm really enjoying that but yeah it was a blast to record with these guys and we uh, we actually did it live which was fun we did it live on youtube um and then we recorded afterwards so we got yeah. to watch it multiple times yeah That's so we actually so have awesome we had two recordings of the episode but one was a live version that is now gone oh. um i felt like it was a hard episode to do just because there is so much anticipation for it i was like yeah. kind of glad when it was over <laughs> i was like all right we can just move on with our lives now <laughs> <laughs> it's groundbreaking television that um well that's wonderful i'm so glad to hear that um i yeah i I've, like everyone else i love that episode but i would say that this episode tabula rasa is my second favorite season six episode after once more with feeling so that was like part of why i wanted to jump in on this one and also like this episode is up there with once more with feeling as being one of my favorite episodes of actually the whole series why don't we now we're that we're talking about tabula rasa listen to a summary of it The Summary In Tabula Rasa, Tara confronts Willow about her excessive use of magic. Is Willow addicted to magic? Can you even get addicted? Willow pledges to, whatever, go a week without magic. Meanwhile, Giles tells Buffy he's leaving for England. Sorry, see ya. And Willow casts a spell to make everyone forget who they are. Everyone at the magic shop wakes up with no memory of who they are. Buffy thinks she's Joan, but figures out quickly that Dawn is her sister. Who's wearing a necklace that says Dawn? Giles and Anya wake up next to each other, and they believe they're running the magic shop together. Willow quickly discovers she is not into Xander, but might have something for Tara. Spike thinks his name is Randy and seems disappointed that he's also British. Suddenly, a lone shark appears, and it's time to fight or flee. Escaping from vampires in the sewer, Xander steps on a crystal, breaking the spell. Willow broke her promise, and Tara moves out. Spike finds Buffy at the bronze, and at the end of the episode, they are making out. Big time. So, uh, one thing that's amazing about this episode is just the sheer amount of great lines. Oh, like, it was so really, many! Really hard to like even pick and wheel, wheel it down. So, why don't we do some of the great lines for this episode? Great Lines I love, oh God, there's so many, but I love Buffy as Joan saying, I think I know why Joan's the boss. I'm like a superhero or something. Like, that's just such a fun one. Um, And then the whole back and forth between Spike and Buffy when they've, they've been doing some fighting and Spike says, I must be a noble vampire, a good guy on a mission of redemption. I help the helpless. I'm a vampire with a soul. And Buffy again as Joan goes, a vampire with a soul. Oh my God, how lame is that? And it's just, it's like, it's kind of meta. It breaks the fourth wall a little bit, but it's just so delightful. He helps the helpless. 
Yes. And then Spike has another one where he, he gives this whole little tiny mini speech about how it's very inspirational that he's overcome sort of his natural evil tendencies to do good. And um, he ends with so much trust, no thought of me biting you, no thought of you staking me. And Buffy, as Joan goes, depends on how long you keep yapping, which is just so good. Um, and then the line just before Buffy's memory returns, she goes, I'm Joan the Vampire Slayer. And she almost sort of trails off as her memories return, which is just... Oof, yeah. oof, love it. My favorite line, uh, though this this watch through anyway, uh, was when uh, Giles is uh, he says something about something being a capital idea, and Anya, his uh, pseudo fiance, says, "Capital? What capital? I never know what you're talking about. Lou, Shag, Brawley. What the hell is all that?" And uh, the, you know, Giles objects, and he, she says, "Ah, bugger off, you Brawley." <laughs> Which I have to say, like the uh, Brit speak discussions in my so like i've mentioned many times my partner is english i'm american and so you would think that these kinds of debates and arguments over like whose words for things are better would have died off but we're seven years in and we still talk about it like every week oh my gosh i'm constantly (laughs) complaining about some like ridiculous word that she's using and she's constantly complaining about some ridiculous word i'm using (laughs) it just doesn't go away fun Mm. it is i mean it is but it does get like (laughs) i mean like in like like, right when, when we were living in America. It was, I think, harder for you know. It's harder for it was harder for Harriet because she's you know surrounded and you're like one against the entire world. And when uh, I moved here, it became harder for me because it's you know me against the whole world. But now that we're sort of on lockdown and it's just the two of us in the apartment, <gasps> uh, it's just even, sort of like even playing field. It's an even <laughs> playing field, and so I've just decided that it's not a flat anymore. Ah, it's, it's an apartment. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. John, what does brawly mean? I didn't even look that uh, up. Uh, yeah, that's what's so great about it. Brawly is, is just a short for umbrella. Brawly is okay. umbrella. And so when she says, you know, uh, shut up, you bugger off, you brawly. It's, uh, <laughs> she's misusing the word, which is why the joke is funny. Um, so, uh, and then my second favorite line, which I always gets me is when it's like a tense horrible emotional moment everybody's realizing that they're like that's sort of like moment when you wake up and you realize that like how like what your life is like and it's difficult and all of a sudden xander starts laughing and he says just get back my memory of seeing king ralph <laughs> that is so great that, that kills me every goddamn time i mean john goodman's funny yeah he is oh, man that that was a great line i'm glad you included that one john uh, I just like Giles, you know, like he's figuring out what his new life is uh, with Anya. And he says like, oh, we own the shop together. That's very progressive of me. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like kind of surprised that he would share ownership, like that he would have this relationship. Like he's kind of he's kind of a good old good old boy misogynist kind of personality. He's like he's like suppressing this like natural misogyny, natural need to be in charge. It's awesome. Yeah, I thought everything. Oh, they're all on, all my favorite lines. Um, I liked um, uh, Spike when he says uh, he's fighting with the shark, and he says, "I'll get your kittens. I just need time. Time, time, time is what turns kittens into cats." <laughs> and I just love that. It's so crazy. And then uh, later on, Giles and Anya are in the shop, like, and she's casting all those spells to get rid of the bunnies. And then Giles is like, oh, God, maybe we should try another book. No, this book made those little fluffers, and it will send them back. And, like, Anya's just so great with her crazy bunny thing. Oh, 
I like how she calls them fluffers. Uh, apparently, it's an instinctive part of her makeup that she's afraid of bunnies. Oh, yeah. You can't Something forget that. I'm fear. sure we'll, we'll get into. In- That's a primal fear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is uh, from Spike. Oh, listen to Mary Poppins. He's got his crust all stiff and upper with his Nancy boy accent. You Englishmen are always so... Bloody hell. Sodding, blimey, shagging neckers, bollocks. Oh, no. I'm English. Welcome to the Nancy tribe. <laughs> and then uh, later from Spike also, when he finds out his name, Randy Giles? Why don't you just call me Horny Giles? I'm desperate for a shag, Giles. <laughs> oh, so good. When uh, when Harriet and I first started dating, I uh, I sampled that scene and uh, put it on the mixtape that I made for her. <laughs> Were you identifying yourself as Randy Giles at that point? No, it was just there was a themed mixtape of uh, uh, UK versus US, and I found a bunch of songs that tied into it, and then I uh, sampled that. And uh, also the um, the also the the. Uh, the Sarah Vowell essay, found the audiobook version of that Sarah Vowell essay where she talks about um, why you can't have an American watcher on mm. Buffy. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, so there are so many more great lines, but that's all we'll do right now. But more might populate throughout. Uh, but first, we're going to do the kill count. The kill count. Which I counted six vampires dusted and one relationship re- relationship staked, um, and and that's the coldest way I could say that. And now we move on to weird noticings and trivia. Weird noticings. My first thought here is uh, I want to know how the kitten economy works because uh, kittens are a currency. Um, and I do understand that, like, apparently they, they lose value when they become cats because, you know, the, it's the implication of time is what turns kittens into cats. It's like makes things, you know, rot and they're not useful anymore. But like kittens breed, right? Eventually <laughs> cats breed. And if like if I could put like two dollar bills together and like get an extra dollar bill or a litter of them, <laughs> I feel like the infl- inflation would become a problem. Right. So I feel like the kitten economy is not sustainable. Well, yeah, it's a, as Buffy points out when she first hears about it, kittens are stupid money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get, I, I assume the suggestion was, so I'm assuming they eat these kittens, right? Like that's yeah. the implied right. that maybe they in fact eat them at such a rate that there are like not that many stray adult cats in Sunnydale so that there are, the kittens are actually scarcer than they are in other cities is the only thing I can figure to make this have any sense to it. I love that. Yes. Yes. If they're food, then totally. (laughs) Then they're scary. You haven't seen Kitty Fantastico in a little while. It's true. (laughs) Oh, Uh, who gets the cat? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I mean, we know from uh, Spike Gambling that Clem was like, kittens are delicious. We know that. But yes. How does this work? It's probably not worth exploring. (laughs) It is funny, though. And man, I love the lone shark so much. It's such a crazy visual pun to like have a lone shark be a shark, uh, but you could get away with it. <laughs> yeah, it totally works. And I had forgotten about this character until this rewatch. And when he came on, I was equally as delighted as the first time I ever saw it. <laughs> oh, man, I was. Uh, it's funny that um, that Xander is like, we need a book club. No, then a video club. We need to hang out. We need to spend time. I'm like, 
this guy's reaching for a podcast. He's not going to have <laughs> access to that for another 15 years. Oh. <laughs> I bet Sander would be great on a podcast. He's yeah. like funny and good at chatting. Like I would absolutely listen to a Xander podcast. What would they talk like about? Podcasts are already podcast? full of Xander types. Yeah. <laughs> but what, what would their podcast be about? That's what I couldn't figure out. <laughs> just like a monster podcast where they. Yeah. I mean, even if he just did like a recap of like the shenanigans of the week or like basically like the kill count, but expanded to a whole episode. Um, and but he was putting on air and then all the listeners from other towns thought it was a joke. They thought it was like a welcome to Night Vale or whatever. But it was just <laughs> Xander just narrating his actual real life. Oh, my gosh. What a great fit like fan podcast to put together it would just be like, uh, what if the Buffy, you know, the Scooby gang had a podcast and just do an episode by episode like recap. Oh, God. Yeah. If you like wrote some, especially if you did it from not Buffy's point of view, but like one of the characters that we don't see on screen all the time. And so then you can like write a whole B plot for them to be doing in their off screen time. Welcome like, to Sunnydale. Like a Jonathan cast. Yes. Welcome <laughs> to Sunnydale by Jonathan and Xander. Oh. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> So scooting forward, this skips a few scenes, but um, when they all wake up with no memory, everyone looks at their driver's license or school ID if they have one, but no one glances in like a mirror or a window to see if the picture on their ID card actually matches their actual face. Um, And I assume that, I mean, they probably cut that for time, but also because if Spike were to look for a reflection, he would not see one. And that would maybe reveal to him earlier that he is not a human like everyone else in the room. Um, so that was just someone from IMDb had pointed that out and I thought it was a cool little comment. That is interesting. I think it's funny that apparently we never learned Tara's last name because she doesn't read it. Everybody else Mm -hmm. is like, I'm Alexander Harris. (laughs) She's just like, my name's Tara. (laughs) No last name. Um, I also think it's weird. Buffy doesn't have a state ID. I get she probably doesn't have a driver's license, but, uh, I mean, John has a state ID. I bet she she wasn't carrying it around. Yeah, I think she has one. She just didn't carry it. Buffy seems like the kind of person who would leave the house with nothing in her pockets because she'd just be like, I can take care of myself. (laughs) Things are probably gonna be a little out of order for some of this stuff. But um, I loved seeing Tara stand up to Willow's magic abuse. Yeah. Like, you know, Xander's talking about getting a book club together, video club, whatever. And then like, you know, as soon as the like opportunity to use magic comes in to solve a problem or whatever. And like, you know, just seeing that fight brewing and yeah. like clearly it's the end of the relationship happening. And I, I just, I loved it. It's totally, this has been coming for a while now for quite a few episodes. Like once Willow did the memory spell on Tara to like make their relationship better to fix the problem. I mean, I, I don't know. This was, it was really satisfying to see this happen and like they should be broken up. So that was just fantastic scene. And I like that, um, that Anya and uh, Xander gave them the space to have the fight. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know why that was like, that was actually kind of kind of them to do. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. Actually- In their flat. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> In their own flat. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know. And then, so they, they sort of have the initial conversation right there and then, um, or maybe it's the same conversation. And then, you know, Willow starts kind of bargaining, right. And says like, Oh, I'll go a month without magic. And I love that Tara says, let's go a week and see like that sort of counter offer seemed really compassionate and realistic um it was sad because you could tell by the way she said it it was like i don't think you can even go a week um but it also just in the moment felt like i still care about you a lot as a person i just don't have faith in you anymore um 
And so I really, yeah, that was, it's a tough conversation, but it's a really good one. I think the hardest thing for me listening to it is like, Willow still doesn't seem to see why what she did, is, did was a violation. Absolutely not. Yeah. Like, no. Me- like, she's shocked that it's called a violation. And it's like, you erased her mind. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, and, right. Willow, and when, but it's and, like. And when Tara makes it about like, hey, remember what Glory did to me? Like that when it's similar and is the same level of pain, emotional pain to cause someone. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is, it is shocking that Willow doesn't see it that way. Also, this is a side silly thing, but multiple times in this episode, just because we're still coming down from the musical, there's lines that cue into the musical. Like when yeah. she says, when things get rough, <gasps> and then, <laughs> you know, you just go to magic. And I keep going like, when things get rough, he? Yeah. <laughs> behind his buffy? buffy? Yes, yes, yes. Whoa. I know. And because also we cut directly from this Willow and Tara scene to... Giles telling Buffy he's going to leave again, which exactly continues the thematic parallels of Giles and Tara's duet from the previous episode, right? That juxtaposing the two characters leaving. Um, I just like, I love that. I love that because there's so many big emotions because of the musical, like that they then carry that into these non-musical episode and like none of those threads are dropped. They're all carried on. And that is like, so yeah, so good. So satisfying. Well, I'm I'm shocked Giles is going through with leaving. I mean, after coming back to, I guess, be more responsible, be a father figure. Cont- yeah, it's just seen. I thought he was going to continue to train Buffy, but you know, it is. It's just a, a weird situation for the show to be in because he like he left. He's coming back, and now it feels like he's going to leave for good, which I'm bummed about because I like Giles, but he hasn't had a place. You know, we've talked about whether Giles should be on the show or not for a while. So like, maybe he should have left in season three, but or two. But um, it is a little, it's just very sad, like, to come back and then, you know, basically get, writes Buffy a check, you know, to help cover some expenses. And then it's like, cool, going to move on with my life. Because he's basically created a monster killer and then is like, not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's he's trained up the warrior and then he's walking away from it. And like, I don't know. I mean, you assume that ha- the relationship has to be permanent the way it's set up. Yeah. Like, how do you walk away from that responsibility? If I feel like if the show had given us like a reason why it was like been like if like, I think if it was if it was uh, the show wanted us to believe that it's what you're saying, Michael, that like Giles needs to have his own life and Giles needs to go back and live in his his uh, his apartment in Bath and, um, you know, and, and be with Olivia or whatever it is that he's going to do, then I feel like that would be easier to buy and understand because that's a reason. Yeah. But, like as it's stated, it's like it's because you won't be independent. Two weeks after you were raised from the dead and, you know, like a month after your mother died, you won't be independent enough for my uh, arbitrary bar of what that means. Well, uh, yeah, it just it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And I almost feel like they the, the parallel between um, Giles leaving and Tara leaving Willow, like, is almost there in a way like they put them together and it almost makes you accept the one because the other one makes so much sense. <laughs> It almost Whoa. makes you like feel like like not question uh, Giles as much, like because I feel like if you know my first watch through, I just kind of accepted Giles as leaving because uh, Buffy needs to be strong. Sure, yeah, that makes sense, but it doesn't make any real sense at all. Right, I love I love your point about the emotional gaslighting and how like we take one emotion and we'll just move right on to the next. We're like, yeah, it makes sense. You're right. Like, there's not a compelling reason for him to move on. I mean, Giles is leaving because Anthony Stewart Head is leaving. Yeah. Well, this is TV. The show needs to make the emotion, the emotional connect. 
but it's hard. Like he's a father figure leaving while his daughter figure is like going through an emotional crisis. Really struggling. Yeah. And, and, and to the credit of this episode, like Buffy voices, these concerns that I have where she's just like, this doesn't actually make any sense. And like, you don't want me to suffer. I'm done suffering. I also don't want to suffer. So why are you doing this? Like Buffy does get to like actually put voice to those. But for TV reasons, Giles and Tara have to leave to make way for new characters. So I'm curious what will happen next. Anyway, sorry. Uh, Mike, why don't you say your next one there? Oh, sure. Of course. Sorry. This keep comes up. This comes up every now and again. But Spike's uh, ability to walk around the daytime is insane. Um, he looks like <laughs> Sherlock Holmes or whatever, like old school, just running in with his crazy hat and like heavy coat and like on fire. Let's assume on fire. <laughs> I, I feel like fashion has changed so much since then that, like, at the time, that was, like, a mockingly nerdy outfit he's wearing. But now I'm like, he looks really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, everything comes back around, right? Yeah, I did a little bit of digging on just the concept of amnesia episodes in TV, just because I, I was so curious if I could find out when was the first, like, single episode amnesia um, TV plot, but I was not able to find that information. One, I'm not like, I'm just not much of a TV viewer, so I don't have like a sense of when it would have been. And unfortunately, there's a TV show called Amnesia. So anytime you try to Google search things like first episode of Amnesia, you just get this 2013 show Amnesia. Um, but TV Tropes does unsurprisingly have a, a solid page on Amnesia episodes and um, it did list a lot of shows that have had them. I don't know that it's that interesting to read the list, but unsurprisingly, many sci-fi shows have featured it. So there's like some real standout Star Trek um, episodes. There's a Supernatural episode, um, Stargate Atlantis, sort of shows that you would expect. There's an Adams Family episode, apparently, with amnesia. Um, and the very first episode ever of The Twilight Zone was an amnesia episode. Oh, right. That's the... Um uh, everybody go yeah it's called where is everybody yeah that's yeah. a good one mm-hmm. and there's yes. movies too that do it of course but that's oh, yeah. like a, so i'm sure those are all in the wrecks and stuff i found uh, i was also on letterbox earlier and i found the longest list i found was one that had 66 entries of movie uh amnesia movies the earliest ones there were three from 1942 none of which i had heard of um and then almost every year since then basically wow Popular t- popular trope. It's one of those things that you think you need to worry more about, like hey, just gonna, <laughs> for as much as it comes up, like quicksand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John Mulaney reference. Uh, how about that Alan Funt reference? Yeah, I had to Google this. Uh, who is Alan? Did people? Did, how many people got that without googling it? I had to what? Google it. I had to Google it. Nope. Too. Nope. Yeah, he was the host of Candid Camera, apparently, in its original iteration. Uh, Anya is old. She's 900 years old, so she uh, has all those like deep cut references. <laughs> uh, so Buffy names herself Joan, and I just want to point out Joan is now the third Buffy persona because we have Buffy, oh. Anne, and Joan. Oh, and I don't know. They just keep adding up. Interesting. Interesting. Who's your favorite? I'm gonna take the original. Yeah, regular Buffy. Classic. Well, in the scene where they're in the magic shop and kind of discovering who they are, it's which is an amazing scene, like really fun acting. It's really a pleasurable scene. Don and Buffy discovering their sisters um, is great. Like 
the motions they go through to get to kind of insulting each other and they <laughs> just kind of met or like woken up and known each other it's so wonderful like they insult each other and they're like oh we're sisters <laughs> like uh <laughs> man just a huge laugh from that that was great because like i i mean i have a sister and i just know how this I, that felt very true it felt very true about like how quickly we would annoy each other it's great it was delightful i i also love that scene I had made a note of it in my in my watch notes too. Yeah, I I always just really like um, when I'm watching an episode, especially of a show I've watched before, but then I've also like consumed a lot of media about it online. Is when I find quote unquote a scene which has like become like almost like a classic scene. So the scene in which the Scooby Dang Scooby Gang is in the magic shop and they open the door and there's all the vampires and they all just like scream and throw the door shut again. I feel like that scene has been gift a lot and i think it maybe even ends up in the opening credits later on um so when they that scene happened i was like oh here it is like here's that scene i've seen so many memes of like so it was just like a little for me that's like a little hidden gem that i always enjoy uh travis uh i put this uh, note in here for you um did you notice uh that i freeze framed and uh, read all the text on giles's airplane ticket uh but the most interesting thing is that he's flying out of lax uh, so apparently there's not uh, service, at least not uh, affordable service uh, from Sunnydale International to Heathrow. Mm. <laughs> and which is so surprising because <laughs> <laughs> Sunnydale's got everything. It's got everything. The zoo and yeah, train station and yeah, international terminal. What do you think Giles does with his car? You think it's already sells gone? it? There's a Am comment in the, about Giles's car, speculation that Giles's car is red and flashy and penis shaped, which is uh, hilarious because his last car that we've seen was yeah. uh, a red BMW convertible. But um, I, I'm, I'm assuming he got rid of that when he moved Say. back the first time. Yeah, probably uh, sold it. Yeah. I think he's still staying in the hotel and living without a car at this point. It's no way to live. God, I love seeing Buffy enjoy slaying again. That is one of the <laughs> like most wonderful parts of this episode for me. It's just like Buffy has had such a rough time and has been so miserable like this whole season. And just watching her sort of delight in her calling is really nice. Um, I loved that. Well, this bunny spell, which gets out of control, is ridiculous. So, I mean, Anya and Giles together as a couple. Love it. I love this unlikely couple and like the way that Anya just asserts herself in that relationship is fun. And then like, we're going to solve this problem, you know, with, you know, I'll just start going through these spells. Right. And then immediately creates a bigger problem for herself, which is adorable bunnies. Like it's, it's, there's probably more going on in this. Like, this is just my first watch of this. Like what's happening in this relationship. Cause like, there's a lot being, there's a lot being argued about and maybe it's nothing, but just the, you know, more bunnies appearing and just her losing her mind. Like this show has been playing with this idea for so long and they, it pays off so well here just to see it things go just completely nuts. Um, yeah, I loved it. I mean, it's just a good laugh. Like I, I don't, if there's more going on in the scene, please tell me, but I just, this was just like hysterical, like LOL stuff. It was great. I think it's just fun, fun with bunnies. Uh, <laughs> I mean, as, as the spell gets worse, Giles is fighting a Ray Harry, Ray, Ray Harryhausen skeleton man. Uh, little Jason and the Argonauts shout out there. I mean, that's um, when you know things have gone to shit. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> As if all the Truly. smoke wasn't a clue enough. <laughs> when Willow finds out, Willow's figuring herself out down in the sewers, she's like, I think I'm kind of gay. Uh, which is a nice callback to uh, Doppelgangland, season three. Um, I loved that, obviously. Again, it's I'm sure we're going to talk about this in Themes and Deep stuff, but like the, the this show keeps 
calling up questions about like what parts of your personality are innate. And this is a really nice little um, like moment of that. This is maybe a prediction. (laughs) Uh, But like I was seeing Willow and Tara like get together in the sewer, like unlikely. I mean, I I love what Maya just said about, you know, who you really are, like, Mm -hmm. you know, knowing who you really are and that, it's very sweet to think that relationships are predestined in some way and that, you know, in any set of circumstances, these two would get together. So it's very sweet to see them almost get together. Yeah. But of course, if, if, if Willa gets the kiss, then, you know, she'll have learned that she can use magic to manipulate reality. So she can't get it. So it's very sweet yeah. to see it taken, you know, taken away. Um, but like, it's, I don't know. It's like, it's a really lovely scene. Then the consequences come into play and like, that's kind of a fun part about this episode is like literally there's a contest consequence free segment where there's yeah. a man with a shark head chasing around rapidly uh, generating bunnies and like nonsense, uh, nonsense, you know, hiding from vampires in the sewer. And it's like, this feels like a season one episode yeah. or season two yep. episode of the show. And then let me just drop the ball or step on yeah. this like crystal. And we're back in season six. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's i god the chemistry between willow and tara when they don't have their memories is like so magical to me and i just remember the first time i watched it being like oh my god because they're almost i think they're almost a little bit more bold in their sort of flirting than they Mm -hmm. were when they actually met the first time like there's these little touches and there's these little glances and it's just like it's like you see they have like the spark is there when they don't have all this like bullshit that they have to worry about. And it's just like so delightful to see that. And then, yeah, the moment when Tara's face like falls when the crystal is broken and her memory returns, it just murders me. Like, oh, that moment is so, so well, so well acted, so well played. And yeah, like you said, it's, it's so the changing of emotional tone is just done so well. I love this episode. It's great. <laughs> I mean, yeah. to go from about to kiss someone to disgust, I mean, yeah. that's that's a pretty magical acting mm-hmm. moment yeah. to pull off. And like, yeah. to even have a moment in the show where that can happen. Oh, yeah. love it. And a mo- much less emotional thing, just that Don calls uh, Xander Alex. Uh, I love that too. <laughs> this whole time he could have been going, going by Alex. He chose Xander. I'm so bummed that Tara moves out at the end of this show episode, right? Like, yeah. and it's got to be super expensive for her. She has less of a support system, you know, yeah. financially, that's got to be expensive. I mean, it's crazy. This is where your brain goes. So I'm just like, this got to be so expensive for her. Yeah. To move. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, this is, this is a previous era. What, what year would, did this, did this one come out? 2002. It was like 2002, 2000. So we're slightly before the 2008 horrible financial crash, but still, yeah, it's like Willow is the one who has parents living in Sunnyvale, mm. Sunnyvale, like, right? Like, I mean, I, not that Willow wants to move back in with her parents because I know she doesn't have the, the super best relationship with them, but, um, but like Tara has nowhere to go. Like Tara has no other friends in this town and obviously no relationship with her family. Didn't pay for school dorms this semester, one assumes. Um, like, yeah, where is, where is Tara going to go? Yeah. Thinking about what Tara's loan situation must be to be going Yikes. through college. <laughs> and like, yeah, the housing and obviously no f- family support. It's like, oh, so stressful. And also like really hurts to see because like Don has to feel like like at this point, Tara is probably the most motherly figure yeah. in her life. Yeah. yeah. You know, Buff- yep. Buffy's kind of checked out. 
Willow doesn't really know how to do that. So, like, Tara is, like, totally the one stepping up. And, oh, like, yeah. And I, I would hazard a guess that Tara is the one who is most often being like, hey, Dawn, did you have dinner yet? Or, like, yeah. you know, like, you know, I don't know, just sort of checking in on really, like, h- household basics. Like, probably not, like, helping her with her homework in high school. But, like, you know what I mean? Just kind of, like, making sure there's, like, pizza in the fridge or whatever like it's a very good point like who would you you know put in charge of house sitting you know like if you were gonna leave for a while obviously no not willow tara for sure (laughs) would be my first choice mike situation you can you can leave don don can stay home alone in her house by herself for at least (laughs) 30 minutes oh yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) but like i don't it's just like that obviously don is really hurt and like Don's, yeah. Don's doesn't still a, a young goodbye. teenager, and she doesn't. Yeah. She's not going to be like, oh, "Get you're doing what you have to do." She's just, right. She's going to be like, "You two are abandoning me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much do you think uh, Don knows about why Tara is leaving? Do you think she knows the whole memory, everything? I mean, she knows that they fought about magic. Yeah, and obviously, she just experienced this memory loss as well, um, which she oh, knows yeah. that Willow. So she, I don't know. She might not know about the first memory loss situation in Once More with Feeling, but she now knows about this one from this episode. So, but, but maybe she she probably was like doesn't see it as that bad because she didn't really s- suffer mm. in this like, experience. Her whole life is just a m- memory implants. So that's true. That's very true. Um, and that's also, the difference, really. there's even that comment she makes when they're in the sewers where she's talking to, is it Tara? And she goes, this is stressful, but in a weird way, familiar. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is just her life. God, Allison Hannigan is such a good crier. Like, uh, when she's sad at the end, it's so sad. And uh, one of the layers of sadness of it is knowing that she has no sort of, like, understanding of why this is happening and that it's mostly her fault. Like, she is devastated, but she's not, like, remorseful. You know what I mean? Like, she... And I think that shows, like, when, you know, she uses a magic to get dressed in the morning, when she literally has just promised tearfully, like, the day before to not use magic for a week. But anyway, just seeing Alison Hannigan cry is... Uh, tugs my heartstrings and it reminds me of uh, comments they've made multiple times in the buffering podcast and i think you guys have said it here too is the fastest way to tug on the emotions of the audience of this show is to hurt or threaten willow yeah and i think sad willow joss whedon's even said that in commentary tracks it's like an emotional cheat code yes it is (laughs) it works i drew fan art of crying willow and i will put that online somewhere when this episode comes out nice yeah Uh, so yeah, we're getting here towards the end of this. I looked up the, um, I just also looked this episode up on Wikipedia and the final musical performance in for the last scene that's in the bronze is Michelle Branch singing Goodbye to You. Um, and apparently, um, I know the name Michelle Branch, but I'm not super familiar, but apparently at the time she was one of the most famous musical guests the series had ever had. Um, she was like a really high profile person for them to get. Um, and I do think there was a good, a really good match for this episode, this song. Yeah, the song really works. Uh, yeah, Michelle Branch, I, I had to look her up to really get who she was, too. Um, but then I, like, watched a couple of music videos on uh, YouTube, and I realized, like, I've heard her on, like, so many Muzak tracks at jobs mm. that had <laughs> from oh, that era. <laughs> it really made me feel like, like, this is more of a callback to, like, a season 
one or two episode where it like yeah it's about we haven't it's, had a proper bronze performance yeah it's a bronze like performance. to set the emotional tone of an episode like how many we used- how many early season episodes ended with a bronze performance and buffy making out with a vampire at the bronze totally yeah although it's now that the bronze back. has been like redone the lighting is all different so they're making out in like bright lights instead of dark corners but whatever Something else weird about the bronze is, uh, did you notice how solo cup crazy the bronze is? I mean, this is this happened before, but like, uh, so I put a screenshot down there at the bottom. Is that like, so at the bar, there's just like stacks of solo cups. And then like, <laughs> if you look at the waitress in the background there, it's kind of hard to make out, but she, the waitress is serving somebody, like they have, she has a tray to bring to a table and it's about four or five solo cups with you know presumably like a beverage inside and then also a stack of like eight extra solo cups which is <laughs> just like bringing uh, like a dozens of solo cups to a table it's not like there's a pitcher to fill them up it's just she's serving them solo cups well that's really like trans- what's going on there they've really transitioned into like they're no longer even a bar they're just a college party yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah um just again for travis i'm looking up for those uh airline noticings uh and i'm noticing that uh giles gets the middle seat on his long-haul flight from california to the uk that's like a 10-hour flight he's in the middle seat that fucking sucks dude <laughs> What this really the, says to me is Giles is a cheapskate. Like, we know he's got the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the only justice this show shows to Giles. He just doesn't care at all for his own comfort. Uh, he probably he's so shows it to make himself suffer. Like, he's like, <laughs> I don't deserve a good seat. I am leaving my my charge behind. I'm middle seats. I mean, it's bad. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I didn't get triggered by the middle seat. <laughs> I didn't notice. <laughs> 10-hour flight, though. Middle seat's going to be difficult. I mean, I, I have never ever in my life oh. paid for an upgrade to an airline ticket and never will. But So I would have been in the same situation. But middle seat, man. Whew. He yeah, does have long legs. Sad. Well, I love the Spike and Buffy hookup at the end of this episode. It feels well well-deserved. I mean, I mm-hmm. like this kind of... And, you know, to hook up with Spike, you have to have a nihilistic outlook on the future, which uh, Buffy does. <laughs> uh, and, like, I love even the way it's cut, where it looks like she rejects him, and then the camera goes, like, creeping through the bronze, and they're making out. Like, oh, I love it, because it's such a nice little trick visually to do that, and it's totally, totally fooled. I was like, oh, I guess they're not going to hook up. I mean, because I totally thought it was moving in that direction after their delightful romp as Randy and Joan, you know, whatever <laughs> this is. Um uh, yeah, it was kind of sweet. This is a, this is the dark timeline, but um, <laughs> you know, I, I still felt uh, felt good to know that you know she was finding something to hold on to. I mean, it's got to be such a dark period here, especially with Giles gone. I mean, Giles has to be gone for this relationship to happen. Period, because Giles hates Spike so much, and then Willow and Tara have to be broken up because Willow would hate this relationship to happen too. So you have to really have like all the ad- adults or people that pretend to be adults have to be out of the room for this relationship to happen. Uh, but it's it was still sweet to see. Uh, let's do questions for the group. Questions for the group. Oh wait, I made I made oh, a joke sorry. that I said that this was the this was the best season two or season three episode ever. Truly, yeah. High five. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Willow, uh, she uses magic in the morning to, to uh, get dressed and ready for the day. Uh, I'm curious for the people on the podcast, what part of your routine would you choose to magic away? 
This is an interesting time now that we're all yeah. That's true. Now when your routine is really weird. What's weird is what's weird now because we record at nine. That's the same time I am at work. I I have to get into work on the weekdays, but I work from home now, and I don't really have to be like like now Sundays is the time I get up earliest, (laughs) have my coffee the earliest, like, like I get the earliest. So, uh, today I would have really just magicked away, even waking up just like I'll already be here. I don't Mm -hmm. even waking up is the hardest for me. Yeah. I would, I would magic away, um, sleep. I'd like to be able to fall asleep instantly. Oh, falling asleep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my answer is also sleep-related. I always kind of wanted a Harry Potter-style time-turner so that I could sleep extra hours. Um, I would not use it to get more daytime hours. I would just use it so I could go to bed as late as I wanted, but still get eight hours of sleep and then wake up early in the morning. Yeah, that's so, that's, that, that's that's real. Because, like, for example, last night I was up until 3 a.m. watching an online K-pop concert that was at a more normal time in Korea. Um, And then again, like Dennis, I also, this is the earliest I've gotten up in three or four weeks, probably. Um, So I only got five hours of sleep. And had I magic, I would have snuck eight hours into that five-hour gap. Gosh, this Uh, is so tough. I mean, I think I want to magic away just, um, just my, like, dishes. Is that, is that a waste of my magic? If no, I that's it? a great choice. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, honestly, magic is best when you do use it for small stuff. Like, as we've seen, trying to cast a resurrection spell is a bad idea. But I think you can get away with things like dishes. Like, you're probably not going to disrupt the natural order of, like, magic flow in the universe by just, like, chores. Would you want like just the dishes to be automatically clean, or do you want like a Fantasia style like process where like Obviously. the rooms come to life, or do you just want it all done? I want I want the uh, I want the, uh, the theatrical Fantasia type thing. I think yeah, like the best part of having a Roomba is watching the Roomba. I think it's similar. Yeah, it's it's. it's <laughs> so then, on a completely drastically different note, here's another question. Um, so. Uh, have you ever tried to keep a relationship together? And feel free to not answer this if it's too personal. Have you ever tried to keep a relationship together with an ultimatum? Because it just seems to me that Willow's like, uh, Willow and Tara, Tara's like, uh, you know, like, oh yeah, we m- maybe we'll stay together if you can go a week without magic. Seems mm-hmm. like when you're at the point of like a test past which you'll keep the relationship together. Once you've given the test, that's the point. The relationship's already over at that point. Yeah. I, it would seem to me. But I don't know. I've never had a breakup that really went this way before. So I don't know. I will defend Tara's ultimatum that she did not come at this with that. That was her. Yeah. yeah that was a negotiation. She was like, true. this isn't going to work out. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, the ultimatum like doesn't even fix the major part of the, the re- relationship issue, which is the like, mind abuse, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and just like broken trust. I have no personal experience with this. Yeah, I haven't issued any ultimatums, but I'm sure I've been I've been on the receiving end of an <laughs> ultimatum, and uh, they don't work. I mean, nothing really works for relationships, but um, ultimatums are not like an X factor. I mean, just nothing works. I know I've tried to negotiate to get an ultimatum, but ultimately the relationship was doomed. But like, <laughs> I I think I've I've been in the I'm, I'm assuming just like Willow, where I'm like, oh, surely I'm we can make this work. So I'm sure if an ultimatum could have been offered, I would have been very excited to accept. Yeah, the ultimatum whatever. probably makes more sense from the like the dumpy's point of view because yeah, you're like, 
Well, surely, since uh, everything is ultimately about my failures, if I can only come up with something to succeed at, this won't happen. Mm, right. I definitely yeah. relate to that. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, if you when you get broken up with, it's like you don't you don't even understand the other person's point of view at that point. You like you can't even. You're like, well, what if we did? This? And they're like, no, I cannot <laughs> negotiate. There's no negotiation because that's where you get the ultimatum, right? Where it's like it's the more fickle kind of decision making. Like yeah. if Tara had at least even one friend. She wouldn't even have done the negotiation. Yeah. She has no friend to discuss this with, as far as I know. I do feel like, having been on both sides of, you know, I, I've been broken up with, and I've done the breaking. And, like, when you're being broken up with, you are like, all right, we've got to negotiate. Like, let's let's go to a restaurant and, like, hash this out or, like, whatever. And then when you are Great. breaking let's up, you're like, public. no, the breaking up is happening. Like, we're having yeah. this conversation because it's over, not because it's... <laughs> Right. No, we'll all have each other's exes on the podcast, and then you'll have to be off that episode, Dennis, and we'll get and to the bottom of And we will just talk about you. Okay, so um, maybe I should sneak this into my recommendations section, but they, I know a podcast that has done episodes of that, basically. Whoa. They were actually fun to listen to. <laughs> One of the things I, I, was not, I, I thought about adding to the stock last night and ultimately decided not to, but now I'm bringing it up. Because it reminds me of I was going to be like between the with the Joan and Anne thing I was going to be like F Mary Kill Buffy and Joan no <laughs> no okay but then the I, honest answer is that all of them would kill you <laughs> but I realized I realized like well like Anne's really depressed and that's historically been the type of girl I go out with so, whoa so I was like oh. did 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 you guys ever think that um. That uh, that Joan is like an amalgamation of Joyce and Anne. Yeah, no, I feel like I did there's not a, think about that. There's a, definitely a Joyce thing in in the Joan. I've thought about. I that. just went Joan of Arc, right? Same, like heroic, I went Joan yeah. of Arc. Yeah, like yeah. this pure sort of like hero impulse. Yeah. That when when Buffy is not mixed with worldly troubles, that she's just this sort of pure Gryffindory, like swords out, like let's fight the bad guys. And she will walk of. through the fire. She will walk through the fire. Yes. Yeah. Um, if we're bringing up random shit, then yeah. So the <laughs> podcast, <laughs> the podcast that I mentioned is um, it's just between us, which is hosted by Gabby Dunn and Allison Raskin, a comedy duo, um, YouTubers, and also TV writers from Los Angeles. And Gabby is Polly and is very open about being Polly, and so has had two or three exes on, and also her current partner on the show. And one of her exes is a head editor at Boom Studio. Um, so it's interesting. There's a little comics co- collect- connection there as well. Small so world. It is a small world. Uh, but yeah, they have a fun episode where they talk about like when they first met and then the two people that they were both dating other than each other at the same time and how those people felt about them starting to date. And then I think I don't know that they really get into why they broke up, but um it's a definitely good like we're exes who are still friends and we it's we both find this story fun to tell well you have a another yeah this is i don't know how serious a question this is but i was just like have we seen anya i mean obviously we know as viewers that anya is a former vengeance demon but anya in this episode does not know that and she casts anya she casts magic spells and I was just like, I couldn't remember, um, can anyone in the Buffy universe cast spells if they have a real spell book? There or... is precedent for that. When okay. uh, Xander, uh, he's, he has, he's like, oh, magic's not that easy. You can't, just not like you can just say, leave him in Cinderia, and then the book catches on fire in front of him. 
Okay. So basically, uh, if Xander, you do Xander, don't have... speak Latin around the books. Yeah. That's... Oh, I forgot about that scene. That's such a good scene. Um, so basically, if you have legit magic words, basically anyone can say them, and they will be to some level of effective. Though maybe not everyone can do, like, a resurrection spell. Seems to be. All right. Yeah. Dangerous. Yeah. Uh, Dangerous. The way Xander frames it is, like, you need a level of concentration. Okay. So, um, but... We have seen Anya cast, um, well, what her meeting Willow in Doppelgangland was getting Willow to yep. cast a spell with her. Mm. Plus, we know she turned her ex-husband into a troll. Yes. Yeah. That was a spell as well. It's just, it's interesting to me that she, she's like, oh, I own a magic shop. Therefore, I must be able to do magic. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know that I... In an amnesia situation, would make that logical leap, um, but she's just magic. Like, I, That's all. I own Balder- a magic Ga- shop. Balder- Dash and chicanery. Exactly. Like Giles seems to not believe it, but Annie is like, "I will just pull this book down and cast some goddamn spells." Yeah, if they had like woken up in like a uh, helicopter hangar, she would have been like, "I'm a pilot." <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I assume that flying is mostly instincts. <laughs> It's okay. She can steer by gesturing emphatically. <laughs> Deep stuff. And uh, my, I felt like, you know, you wrote these things. And I was like, I don't have to write anything now. You've- yeah. I'll just read, you're good. Um, I'll just read what I wrote here then. So obviously most of the big themes that come up for me in this episode are questions about which parts of our characters are innate. What pieces of our personality cannot be waved away even when all context and memory is removed. Um, and I do really like a lot of what this episode has to say about that. You know, we see, which we've already mentioned, Buffy having these sisterly feelings towards Dawn, that she is still brave, that she's still willing to defend people, and also that she still makes quips. I love that her quippiness, like, lasts through, like, all these lines that we loved when she's Joan. And I'm like, I guess that's just part of Buffy's DNA, is to make snarky remarks. Um, but there are pieces of it to, that, to me that make a little bit less sense, uh, which is why these people seem to remember some pop culture references like the Alan Funt reference or like at one point they start singing that um, little nursery rhyme song about the ants go marching on and on and I'm like why I don't know it's just like why do you remember things like um, TV personalities and nursery rhymes when you don't remember who you are and I mean I know memory is very mysterious um, but and I know some of those are played for laughs but like I did really like the questions that this episode brought up about character and personality and memory yeah. and such. Yeah, the term tabula rasa is Latin and it means like blank slate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I only did a very cursory like Google look at it, uh, but I guess it's you know it's like a theoretical idea about whether people have like ingrained personalities or not and. Mm. The writer of this episode, whoever it is, I forgot to look him out, did a really good job. Uh, but they came came at it with the argument of like who you are is intrinsic, like yeah. separate from your memories. For sure. But until we really can erase people's memories like properly, it's only going to be theoretical. Well, do- Dr. Travis, I'm curious if the anything about this that you know about real amnesia that might come about about like, you know, in, in real life. Uh, is it anything like what we see in the episode? 
Uh, well, you have anterograde amnesia and retrograde amnesia. So you can have amnesia going back in time or forward in time. Um, Wait, don't we all have amnesia going forward in time? I can't remember what happens tomorrow. <laughs> well, <Can> you? <laughs> quote, quote, you know, you don't, you can't the form new memories. Oh, right. This okay. is the memento disorder, right? In, right. The memento disorder is the antero, anterograde amnesia. Gotcha. Then you have uh, other medical conditions called, well, one called dementia. And that often will just affect short-term memory, but leave a, a lot, depending on the level of dementia, uh, long-term memories intact. So people can remember where they were born, their childhood, father, mother, but have difficulty. And it's all, it's all on, a, on a range of, of, of problems with memory. So um, I haven't seen one where... Uh, well, I mean, I, I can say people, people with memory problems, depending on the type... Can, can oftentimes be very sweet, nice, pleasant, and they may, may not know who their son or daughter is, and, um, but they're still kind of their personality to, to a large extent. So yes, you can have things that affect your memory, but you seem to act like how mom or dad always did. Mm. Uh, but other times when you lose your memory, it can also come with behavioral changes that are unlike the, the person before the event. So um, that also can happen. I love how challenging like and weird it is that like if you're waking up next to someone you might and you have <laughs> amnesia you might end up in a relationship with them like just because <laughs> like humans are somewhat compatible anyway like there's like a gen just a general like blanket level compatibility so like I like how they kind of play with that idea because that's that's startling to me. That <laughs> Anya, Anya and Giles. Yeah, Anya end up and Giles because their heads are leaning on each shoulders, and then almost Willow and Xander because yeah, Willow's wearing close, Xander's yeah. coat. <laughs> it's interesting though that they don't have enough chemistry to make that work after <laughs> all these years. Turns well, I mean, out they just the, never had the chemistry. <laughs> well, they could have just taken two seasons for them to figure it out. Instead, it's instantaneous, which is great. They didn't waste time with yeah. with that idea. <laughs> Because, like, I, I don't know, because the idea of relationships like people are destined for each other, you know, which they play with in this episode, I think, with the Tara and Willow's relationship, like, that's inevitable. That's destiny. But then Anya and, like, Giles, that was never going to happen. But <gasps> now it's sort of, maybe it's happening. It's just like this broken, distorted relationship. Like, you know, this this uh, spell, if, you know, was never undone, could have just caused, like, a lot of pain for both of them. To figure yeah, they out would this have broken... assumed they were like on the way to a divorce or something. Yeah, yeah. The Giles stays in in Sunnydale for longer just to make this fake relationship work. <laughs> That'd be rough. Um, I mean, there's all these signs that they shouldn't be together, but they're not listening to them because <laughs> they woke up next to each other. <laughs> I think. It, I mean, I think it's just the the general question of like like. Personally, are you you or are you your memories? If you mm. had your memories erased, would you go through the same routine? Would you, like, would I discover comics again? I'd get into oh. comics again. Or would I, like, not be artistic? I don't know. Is it, you know, those kind of large. Or would you even forget that you knew how to draw? Or, like, would you at one point pick up a pen and someone's like, draw something? And you're like, I can't draw. And then you do and you're like, wait, I'm good at drawing. I, <laughs> when did that happen? Yeah. Yeah, like a way more boring version of the born identity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh my but, but you God. have to pick a point in time where you erase up your boring erase identity. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Sorry, it's like it took you know, long, with, long, when, long when Born uh, is like, I could tell, like, this guy knows how to fight or whatever. I'd be like, I could tell that guy's got a funny face. It'd be good to do. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be good to caricature. <laughs> oh but in reality, oh, right. you have. You'd think you're a caricature artist. Oh, right. <laughs> oh god! Based on the like, erase... shirt, I'm clearly a funny guy. <laughs> <laughs> you might. Would you look at yourself and be like, "Oh man, maybe I'm a stand-up comedian. Maybe I'm a <laughs> film collector. I don't know. Whatever." If you look at the paraphernalia of your house, like, what would you when you if you like woke up right where you are right now and looked around, like, what would you assume about yourself? Oh god, oh, uh, I have a lizard. <laughs> I like monsters a lot, and yeah, so there's comic drawings right there, stuff and photography stuff. <laughs> I just see my Blake do yeah. some kind of. Uh, I've really built my rooms to be like able yeah. to tell me who I am in a moment. Yeah, Same. amnesia proof. Yeah, isn't it amnesia I mean, proof rooms? I think I'd think I was more into jazz than I am. I, <laughs> I got um, all this New Orleans paraphernalia around. I think if I looked around my room, I would know that I was that I loved reading, that I loved books, that I was into fantasy, sci-fi, comics, art, but I don't know that I would have any sense of how old I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh totally i think i would probably uh think i was like ex amish and then <laughs> until i wandered into my room that uh that had all that had my like my degrees and diplomas then i'd be like oh i get what's going on but the room i'm in now has no no diplomas like that or anything that would actually probably be quite comforting to walk in and see like oh i have all these certifications like Poof. yeah but yeah, overall, I think this is a great episode, and I and I do love that an episode that is so funny and so silly can inspire like these various sort of deeper thoughts. Again, it's like it's just vintage classic Buffy. It's what I love from Buffy. When I finished watching this episode, I wanted to watch another episode, which is like I feel like that's when Buffy is like good. Is when you watch it and you're like, oh, I want more of that. And that's the burden we have with this podcast is you can't watch the next episode. No. You gotta wait a week. Well, who chose that as their life <laughs> for so long? <laughs> uh, can't complain about it. We chose it. Um, Maya, uh, why don't you say again where people can find your stuff? Oh, yeah. And people can um, find it online. Um, pretty much my handle is Red Gold Sparks, pretty much everywhere. Um, and you can find that Instagram, Tumblr. Um, Etsy is Red Gold Sparks Press. Website is Red Gold Sparks Press. Cheers. Cool. Thank you. Now we'll do uh, recommendations and stuff. I just wanted to throw in a throw extra. in a little yeah, in case we forget at the end. Yeah. I have a couple recommendations as well. Recommendations. Um, so like last time, I'm all of my recommendations are books. I'll hold them up to the camera for anyone who's watching on YouTube. So my first one is a, a sci-fi fantasy sort of fusion novel called Nine Princes in Amber. It's by Roger Zelazny, who is a wonderful writer who has passed away now, but who was friends with Neil Gaiman and wrote like probably like a hundred very slim um, kind of classic sci-fi stories. This one wakes up with a main character who has amnesia, which is obviously why I picked it. He wakes up in kind of what seems to be like a hotel, um, sorry, a hospital-ish room, um, but with no signifiers. So he's wearing just like a, a hospital slip. He has no wallet, no idea, no clothes. And there are doctors that come in that say he's had an accident and want to give him medications. And he quickly is like, 
Um, I don't trust that this isn't actually a doctor. I don't know that I'm actually in a hospital and I have to get out of here. And he very quickly escapes this hospital and has to completely like go on nothing. He has no money. He has no car. He has like nothing. Um, and this is, I would say, the smartest, most fun, most engaging version of Guy Wakes Up With No Memories story that I've maybe ever read um, because the character is so resourceful and clever and he very quickly realizes, so slight spoilers, that he is one of this extended royal family that lives in an alternate version of Earth and that he has like around, I think, of 12-ish siblings and all of them are jockeying for a throne and probably one of them is responsible for his memory loss and more one or more of them are probably trying to kill him. So he has, really has to like think on his feet um, and it's really fun. You can read this as a standalone or it's also the beginning of a series, but I think it's satisfying by itself. Um, and then I know that last time I was on, which was for a werewolf episode, I recommended a short story by Lois Max- McMaster Bejold, one of my favorite sci-fi authors, and she also has two books and her work Cossigan series, which both deal with memory. Um, Mirror Dance is one where the main character um, experiences a like cryogenic freeze and then some memory loss, which it fades, but is a big part in the middle of the book. And then um, Memory itself is a book uh, as a story about um, a character who has had a lot of cybergenic implants in his head and then starts getting what seem to be hallucinations and then maybe our phantom memories from a life that was either repressed or maybe not his own or maybe his own. It's very confusing, but it's really good. So a bunch of memory based sci-fi. Those all sound good. John, what Star Trek episodes should we well, watch? <laughs> for Next Generation, definitely the episode Conundrum. That's the uh, episode that is most like this, where uh, everybody has their memories zonked, and immediately uh, Commander Riker and Ensign Rowe start making out. <laughs> um, and then there's also the episodes Clues, Transfigurations, and Thine Own Self, which are uh, also amnesia episodes that maybe don't fit quite as well. Um, and then also, um, once you're done watching all that Star Trek, you should definitely watch King Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like King Ralph kind of underrated. So I guess I guess my recommendation is Michelle Branch. So unlike these fools, <laughs> I I uh, Michelle Branch was very very popular. She was easy. I, I'm a huge Michelle Branch fan, so I have all of her CDs. Um, and so um, she was a very popular, that was her debut album. She had an EP before that, but, uh, but the song featured in the episode was from her debut, debut album, um, The Spirit Room. So she made two albums that were um, with her major label, The Spirit Room and Hotel Paper. Then she joined up with a country artist called Jessica Harp, who had, a, had an, a self-produced EP before she met uh, Michelle. They formed a group called The Wreckers. They have one studio album. They had one studio album and one live album. They eventually went their separate ways, uh, but nothing, no bad feelings as far as I can tell. Then Michelle Branch released an EP called Everything Comes and Goes, and then she signed with a new label, released one album called Hopeless Romantic, which is her last album so far, and then she left that label. And uh, Jessica Harp, um, who's one half of The Wreckers, she has a independent album from 2002 that you cannot buy, um, self-produced, and it's not available to, for sale, really. Then she had a commercial album released in around 20, 2009, 2010, and then she apparently retired from the music uh, industry. So if you like the song featured here, you can pick up four albums from Michelle Branch, one album from uh, Jessica Harp, because uh, more of a country style, 
and then two albums from the Wreckers, their studio, and then their live album. And they're all great albums. So that's my recommendation. Excellent. I didn't get too deep with recommendations this week because uh, they're, like I pointed out, there are like a million um, <laughs> memory loss movies. Uh, I don't know why I did this, but I recommend Overboard, the 87 <laughs> comedy classic with Kurt, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. Uh, you know, I just always love Kurt Russell. Uh, yeah. And uh, I felt like this movie really asked the question of, like, if you have a blank slate, who are you? And Kurt Russell decides that Goldie Hawn could become his wife. Uh, (laughs) uh, I mean, it's silly. I feel like when we were kids, this movie was on TV constantly. It's on TV all the time, yeah. And, like, that movie, like, you don't... I, I feel like it doesn't exist anymore. But it was, like, just a constant from our childhood. Um and I know I've recommended both Dark City and Mulholland Drive before, but they both deal with memory in interesting ways. Dark City specifically asks the question of like, are you your memories or are you, or is there something intrinsic to you? And the aliens in the movie uh, play with he- the human mind over and over again to try to discover that. And Mulholland Drive obviously opens with um, a car crash and amnesia and then only gets more amnesia <laughs> from there. Uh, and the question of who, if you are, in fact, yourself is a large question of it. Uh, I, I want to say I briefly mentioned Memento as a movie during the episode, but didn't recommend it. Memento is uh, a fun movie, but don't don't expect to have a satisfying end to that movie, but enjoy it for what it is. Well, enjoy the roller coaster ride, but don't don't sit down thinking you're going to have a really great end to a movie. <laughs> You know, I'm reminded of a video game. I could this. I wouldn't recommend it, but Fantasy Star Two, uh, because when you save the game in that way, that one, which is kind of weird, you actually save your character's memories in a bank, like a memory bank, and then when they die, you have to go back and the, they basically put the memories into another, like a shell body. And like for a video game, like just getting around the idea of saving and moving around, this like freaked me out as a kid. Um, the idea that when my characters died, I was like like some shell was being implanted with their memories like or grown to the specifications like that freaked me out um because uh, apparently they're completely the same of course as before yeah because there's no such thing as a soul somewhere there's like a warehouse full of like zombie marios just waiting to be activated yeah. <laughs> right how do you deal with the idea of, i mean yeah in video games right like with the main characters constantly resurrected <laughs> bad guys never resurrected unless they're goombas uh let's do predictions Virgin Predictions. Predictions! Okay, uh, Michael, your current scores, you are at a 62.72% accuracy for Buffy as a whole, and a 65.52% accuracy uh, looking just at season six. So there's a little bit to talk about here today. Uh, As always, Dennis, if you see one I miss, please uh, shout it out or anyone else. Uh, I had a hard time dealing with their color coding right now. Uh, Sorry, they're all green. The green. This episode is green. Okay, I highlighted one. I think I highlighted green. Okay. Yeah. All right. So going way the f back to season one, episode two. Uh, Michael predicted that Willow and Xander will become an item. Now there is just a moment where they kind of maybe does that count? <laughs> 
Okay, um, Travis says no. I mean, the fact that we haven't... Conf- they've made out before in the show, and the fact that yeah. we confirmed it means okay. we at some point made a decision that didn't count. Uh, yeah. Okay. Fine. Just uh, thought I'd bring it up. Oh, okay. You know, predi- these prediction lists are uh, a lot like not having a memory, and you just have to go by, like... It's true. Uh, okay. Season four, episode 18, Michael predicted that this show will have a monster from Greek mythology. Now, there's a moment uh, here where Giles, as Dennis pointed out, is fighting with a skeleton that is very clearly a reference to uh, uh, Jason, Jason and Argonauts, Argonauts. Uh, the Ray Harryhausen <laughs> film. So does it count as a monster from Greek mythology if it's a monster from a film based on Greek mythology? Uh I would love to just deny this just for the sake of a denial, but I feel it's like not a denial. It'd be open. It would be a kind of confirmation. I didn't keep oh, it open. I feel like that's not close enough. I feel like but oh, D- Dennis right. brought up Dennis brought up organically the reference. <laughs> oh, um, so based on the argument that I brought it up, I have to confirm it. Sure, fine. I'll argue. I'll, I'll say nobody but the Greeks would come up with skeletons. <laughs> Um, it's such a generic like trope i don't know i mean at least from dungeons and dragons it is you're always fighting skeletons what do we think okay so it sounds like travis is voting confirm i'll be on i'll be on board yeah dennis <sighs> no this no, is yeah. just a skeleton <laughs> okay uh, maya oh man <laughs> the tiebreaker. Uh, I want to give it to you, Michael, but it, to me, it kind of, I didn't get that Jason and the Argonauts reference. So to me, it was just a skeleton kind of D&D style. Um, but there's still a season that have to go. I feel like Greek mythology could yet come up. Let's okay, l- moving on. Leave it open. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, season five, episode five, Michael predicted that Buffy will lose her Dawn memories, meaning that she will lose the memories of uh, growing up with Dawn that were implanted by the monks. She presumably lost them along with everything else. Yeah, she lost her Dawn memories. So that's confirmed. This is an incidental <laughs> confirm. Yes, I accept this. This one's so Mike, good. Do not repredict that. Just don't repredict that. <laughs> don't double down. Okay, that's confirmed. Season 5, episode 11, Michael predicted that Willow will screw up another spell. <laughs> I'd say that this is definitely uh, confirmed. Yeah. What's amazing about it is, like, she's such a good witch now. Like, she's beyond the point of, like, accidental, like, little yeah, mix-ups. But I mean, but like, except for leaving... Like a monumental fuck-up. <laughs> leaving the bag of flowers... It's because I haven't watched this episode in so long. When Willow left the bag of the flowers on the... Like, so close to the fireplace, I wrote it down. Like, why did she leave that there? Because I thought... Tara could just walk back in and see those yeah. flowers sitting <laughs> right next to the fireplace. What are you doing? And then when they caught fire, I was like, oh, that's why they got left there. But it was like, yeah, it was like, what are you doing? Don't yeah. put flammable stuff next to this fire. It's alarming. She has a whole bag of memory flowers. Yes, also. it like, is. She's buying in bulk, man. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. But yeah, this is definitely a, a spell mess up. Uh, this one's interesting. Okay, so uh, season five, episode nineteen, uh, Michael predicted that Willow will cast a spell to forget Tara. Now, what's huh. interesting here is that Willow casts a spell to make Tara forget. The result of which is that Willow forgets Tara, hmm. among other things. But I don't think we can quite confirm this one as much as I'd like to. 
Because she didn't cast the spell, because the, the word to, I think, implies with the intention of. So she didn't cast the spell with the intention of forgetting Terra. Therefore, she did not cast the spell to forget Terra. I want to argue with on this based on that prediction that you just confirmed about <laughs> the Dawn memories, which is I feel like we with that one was like Buffy lost her memories of Dawn and we gave it to Michael. I, I would give this one also, in my opinion. It's also uh, an incidental, but but it okay if 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 the prediction had said Willow will cast a spell that causes her to forget Terra, that would be oh you liars. <laughs> but it only comes she, out it, in this segment. It's the literal interpretation of the law. So she cast the spell. I, I, I agree with John. Two no, forget. This is a no go. Yeah, this is a no go. I tried, it's, Michael. It's a I tried. Thank you, Maya. <laughs> I would have. I would have given you this one. Okay. All right. Um, season six, episode five, Giles will disappoint Buffy in season six. Come on. I think that's a confirm. I think, I think that's a hard confirm. Okay. All right. Season six, episode seven, Tara will take action against Willow in retaliation for the memory wipe in season six, episode eight. So meaning in this episode, we just watched that Tara is going to take some kind of action against Willow in retaliation. Is breaking up with somebody retaliation? No, but I think that moving out is taking an action against. Yeah. I mean, it's not retaliation, but it is like, I am making an action in my life that is counter to your desires of what I would choose. Right. Yes. It's definitely in response. I'm just, yes. It's the word retaliation, I think, that's like kind of catching me just a tiny bit. But I'm it is a breakup. That, yeah. Yeah. Just retaliation makes it sound like she's going to like, you know, set fire to Will's clothes or something. Tara is a gentle character. I think this is about I, I mean, as petty as she gets. I'm not saying she would do it. I'm saying that's what Michael would seem to have predicted, but never mind. Uh, I think have. we can confirm I that need one. to confirm it. <laughs> I, I, I'd give Michael this one, too. Okay. Mike, you need a memory spell, man, because you keep, you keep predicting these really literal predictions that have such a narrow interpretation. I mean, is somebody messing with your memory? <laughs> you got to remember, these always come back to bite you when you're so specific. All right. Uh, Dennis, did I miss any that you can see? Uh, not that I saw. Okay. I think you were good. So, uh, with that, um, Michael, uh, it seems like those were all confirmations. I don't think we denied anything. So, uh, your scores should go up. And, uh, so they have, uh, your overall accuracy has gone from a 62.72 all the way up to a 63.1. What? Oh my God. The decimal points. How (laughs) fun. And for the, for season six. Uh, you've gone up from 65.52 all the way up to 69.7. Beautiful. Still shy of that 70 to get you the C average, but... Uh... Well, here's season's my predictions young, uh, for the rest of season six here. I uh, predict that Willow and Tara won't get, get back together in season six. Uh, Buffy will hide her relationship with Spike in the next episode, season six, episode nine. Even though that's fun, it is not cool. Everyone knows about it. So that'll be a secret for as long as she can make it, but at least one episode. Here's what's uh, going to happen. We're going to argue about the word relationship. Oh. <laughs> oh, you think so? Oh, Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you think you yeah. say that. And then you... Then I do it. Memento, yeah. Dennis, will just, <laughs> you know, like, argue this however he feels. Um, Willow is not going to stop casting spells. Like, this is not stopping her. I think we're going to get crazier spells. But I'm just going to say, it's not going to stop. 
Um, Willow's going to keep the cat. I actually think Tara should keep the cat, but I think Willow's going to keep the cat because we like it. Uh, like having the cat around the house. And then uh, super prediction, Buffy and Spike will break up in season six. This is not gonna. This is not a relation for the ages. Boom. Should I say it? Buffy and Spike's relationship is not for the ages? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying Buffy and Spike break up in season six. I'm making it like specific and easier to cut. All right. Well, I think that's it then. Uh, Until we tabula rasa again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Maya, because uh, we know where to find your book, how would you describe your comics? How would I describe my comics? Um, uh, wretchedly personal. Um, <laughs> no, um, I write a lot about... Um, Identity, particularly gender identity and sexual identity. Um, and then also just like I do a lot of autobias stuff or me- memoir stuff that is thoughts about things. Lately, I've done some that are kind of environmental focused um, things about single use plastics and um, uh, litter and like recycling and those sorts of topics. Um, but I also write fiction um, every now and then. Um, I'm actually working on a script of a fantasy story right now. Who knows if it will ever see the light of day, but perhaps. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. This is so much fun. I love this episode. And I can't wait to listen to the rest of your season six episodes when they're released. Thank you. We always enjoy having you on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're an oft-requested guest. So this is great. Oh, yes. I am so honored. I have never been requested back on any podcast except this one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, we'll have to get you on again in season seven, or maybe later this season. Who knows? I do have a favorite season seven episode. I cannot remember the name of it, but I will look it up and I will email it to you. All right, sounds good. Um, and I've been Dennis St. John. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dennis Comics. That's Dennis with one N and Comics with an X. Um, that's also my dot com, D N I S C U M I X. You can get my mini comics, and I'm putting out comics pretty often on my patreon which is just my name dennis st john d-e-n-i-s-s-t-j-o-h-n thank you one and all your dream comics now (laughs) yeah i've been doing a series of dream comics during those have been great i've really been enjoying those thank you uh so thank you all one and all uh for listening and talking to us at buffy virgin we love to hear from you don't forget to rate us and review us and subscribe smash that like button blah de blah uh, we're on YouTube. We're on t- Twitter at Buffy Virgin Pod and Instagram Buffy Virgin. Uh, you can check us out at BuffyVirgin.com. Reach out. We love to hear from you, and we'll see you in hell. Hey!